You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 204 of the Co-op Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? Yeah, I'm a little under the weather right now, like I got a bit of a cold, and, you know, with my sickle cell, my body just kind of shuts down a little bit, so I'm, I got a headache, feeling a bit weak, but I couldn't miss the show because, you know, I look forward to this, like, every week, so... Yeah, I'm excited to to talk about these topics, man. Oh yeah, definitely. But uh, definitely make sure you take care of yourself because uh, you know you have to be in tip top shape for E3 in uh, a couple weeks from now, or well, several weeks from now. So oh, just yeah, take it I'm, easy. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm getting this out of my system now. To be honest, so that yes. would be good for E3. So without a doubt, take take it easy, and we wish you well. Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? Uh, I'm doing good, Rich. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff that's gone down, a lot of good stuff to talk about. So today's show should be pretty, pretty fun. Absolutely. And we're also joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? Uh, it's going pretty good. I echo that sentiment, and it's happy to be back because I had to miss last week for Outlast 2. Oh, yeah, we are going to discuss that because I, I did have a question about Outlast, too. But, uh, yes, uh, glad to have you back. Um, we do have quite a bit of news that dropped this week. This is how you know the E3 is close because it's news pretty much all over the place. Um, but, of course, before we get into all the major news stories, we're going to talk about what we have been playing. So, Max, how about you start us off and let us know what you've been playing? Honestly, I've not been playing a lot. I've been playing the usual Rocket League, got a game in of Halo 5 here and there, but I've been playing a bit more Mass Effect because I heard that people want that ending podcast. They want us to discuss the game, so I'm trying to get some hours in, and I found myself, I was playing quite a bit yesterday, I found myself just not really caring for much of the side content anymore just just because it's becoming more and more and more filler it's a lot of just fetch quests and going around the planets which are massive by the way so to explore a massive planet and look around for like three different supply drops have to scan them and then run back on every single one is getting kind of old in my opinion so i'm not shunning the side content completely but i think a lot of my effort is going to go towards just completing the main story and doing like loyalty missions inside and stuff like that and finishing all that off before completing the game because I really do want to see how it ends and I actually want to get through this and then I actually got into Overwatch again a couple of days ago and my brother got into it too so now I have another buddy to be playing that game with and it's nice to check out all the new characters because I haven't really played the game since like Anna was new back in the Halloween event so there's all these little touches and changes to the UI that make the game just a lot better, in my opinion, especially because I'm playing on console. They like, Even though console isn't like the main platform to play Overwatch on, they're still giving us a bunch of stuff and treating us right, which is pretty great. So I've been enjoying that, and that's probably going to be more of a regular thing for me now that I have someone else to play like ranked with and stuff. But 
other than that, that's pretty much it for this week. But it was a good week overall. Uh, it sounds like a good week. Uh, and as you already mentioned at the beginning of the show, you had a chance to uh, review Outlast 2 last week. So uh, in hindsight, I wanted to ask you um, pretty much for you. So you were pretty much, uh, you lo- you liked how everything turned out with the game. Because I know there were some people online that they had some, uh, you know, different opinions. So mm-hmm. just was going to ask you overall, you still happy with the game? Oh, yes. I'm still very, very happy with it. Actually... My brother ended up getting it, and he was playing it through, and he was, like, Snapchatting me a lot of his experience, and I actually went into party chat, but, like, muted myself just so he can talk about what was going on, but, like, he didn't have that safety net of me being there, like, someone to talk to, you know what I mean? He was just, like, yelling and shit. It was pretty funny, and he was going through the game, and I was actually reviewing a lot of my footage because I recorded the whole thing, and it's... It's just a game that I love the shit out of. I think that for people who really, really like survival horror games, this is one of the the best games out there. For people who aren't so much into those, I could totally see why they get frustrated by it. There were a lot of frustrating aspects in the game, especially some of the mini-bosses. They, like, changed it up where in the first game, the mini-bosses were pretty much the same as the normal enemies, but they were just bigger and scarier. But, like, they were still really easy to sneak around, where in this one, two of the mini-bosses, they you can't sneak around them like you simply can't they always know where you are so it turns into like running and at one point you have to like keep slipping under a fence to like avoid one of the mini bosses and you have to keep going through like when she gets close to you you slip under the fence and then when she runs around to try to get to you you slip back and have to like push a cart forward to jump over and it gets a bit tedious and there's little spots like that in the game that i can see pissing people off especially ones who just aren't into that kind of stuff me however i i love that kind of stuff like those are just small things I get I get past those things and then I'm good and I'm enjoying the hell out of getting the shit scared out of me. So that's the thing. I think that's kind of where some of the disconnects happen and the difference in opinions between me and other people because I got the shit scared out of me and that's what I wanted, you know what I mean? And I thought that it was a pretty decent story, especially compared to the first one. The first one, it fell off really early on. Or not, I shouldn't say really early on, but it fell off a bit later on and it was just, it didn't really wrap up at all. Like there was this whole religion thing that you were following most of the story and then it ended up being the side story and it didn't really have much of an ending. And then the ending of the main story was pretty bland in my opinion. Whereas this time around, the two stories kind of tied in and they're both much more horrific. And to me, they had me hooked the entire time. Like the story just kept moving and moving and moving. There wasn't really any lulls in the story, in my opinion. So it was just overall a huge improvement in every way, aside from like those little tedious mini bosses here and there and stuff like that. But other than that, I just thoroughly enjoyed that game. I think it's so fun. I thought I wasn't going to replay it just because of like how much it scared me but i was looking through some of my clips and some of my brother's footage and stuff and it makes me want to replay it again so that's probably going to happen soon <laughs> that's awesome well you know i i still have to try it out i know we have a one person on staff uh, mr kennedy that uh i guess that he thinks that uh maybe it got a little bit too much criticism for him but uh and maybe he'll still try it out but i definitely want to try it out at some point so uh Definitely thank you for letting us know how the game is. I thought the review came out fantastic. Um, a lot of people definitely said that they are uh, looking forward to the game. So if anybody has played the game, feel free to let us know what you think of the game as well in the comment section below. Um, so on to Mr. Lugo. What have you been playing this week, sir? So 
recently I just put up the review for Dragon Quest Heroes 2. You guys can see that now on the site uh, right now. I gave it a pretty decent score. I thought it was an interesting game, but it has a number of little problems. Uh, a couple camera issues that I felt like were really, you know, very similar to the first Dragon Quest Heroes. It's a very similar uh, set of problems or little hiccups that happen throughout the experience. But overall, still a well-designed game, very colorful, very uh, very fan-servicey, where there's a lot of nods because it's the 30th anniversary, if you guys didn't know, of the Dragon Quest franchise. Uh, Square Enix is at least trying to acknowledge it in some sort of decent way. And I felt like a lot of the fan service for people that have stuck with the Dragon Quest uh, series for a while, they'll get a lot of different stuff in Dragon Quest Heroes 2 that you're going to enjoy. Uh, that was pretty cool. So... I had I've been playing that for a while. I also have the review of Puyo Puyo Tetris up now on the on the coalition now. You guys could see that. That game is pretty good. Uh, a little bit annoying on the online play, though. Uh, I think it's a little bit unbalanced because when the way that the game is designed, Puyo Puyo Tetris, if you've never heard of it before, it's basically taking the games Tetris and Puyo Puyo from Japan and combining it into one experience and then kind of taking all the different uh, mechanics and aspects of those games and trying to blend them together in a way where it could actually work. And then surprisingly, it actually does. However, when you start getting into the competitive aspect of it, where you start putting a player that plays Tetris and a player that plays Puyo Puyo uh, against each other, there's a lot of imbalance that goes on. Because these are puzzle games, it's very hard and very difficult to get into the whole challenge aspect of it, you know, depending on your skill. You could have, you could see someone who's really skilled at puzzle games just steamroll another player that isn't necessarily as adept as the other person and it's very apparent like that when you put Tetris against Puyo Puyo because Puyo Puyo it has a little bit of an edge a little bit of a extra oomph to it in order to overwhelm the other player with extra pieces and stuff like that it gets very meta but bottom line as just a regular game it's very fun to play it's interesting it's got a lot of fun music very colorful as well uh, and that's what I've really been up to one thing I do want to mention is the unboxing video that we posted up recently the other day. Uh, we announced that we are going to be at the Destiny 2 gameplay reveal premiere that's coming up in May. It's coming up in a couple weeks. I'm going to be out there in LA checking out the game. Hopefully get to play it. That's what the, a lot of the talk is around. That we actually get to play Destiny 2, which should be pretty cool if that's the case. But the gameplay of the game for Destiny 2 is going to be revealed for the first time. And we are going to be out there. So what I am going to need a lot of you guys to do, whether you're watching this on stream now, or if you're watching this later on on demand on the Coalition YouTube channel or on the website... Hit up the comment section, blow up the comment section, and let me know what you guys want me to find out about Destiny 2 because I'm going to be out there and I want to get everything that I can that you guys want to know about. So put it in the comment section below. Anything and everything that you guys have in mind, even if it's just a comment or someone that you, you know, something that you just want me to ask Bungie and Activision while I'm out there, put it down in the comment section below. It's really going to help us out. It's actually going to help create the content you guys are going to want to see. But that's what I've been up to. And, you know, along with that announcement, I did the unboxing of the Cade 6 figure that uh, Bungie and Activision had sent us, you know, as part of our invitation. Yes. Uh, I'm also going to say, uh, first and foremost, uh, yeah, the, the unboxing was great. Um, and we definitely wanted to take the time to thank Activision for the opportunity to cover the event. Um, and definitely I'm going to also echo uh, Mr. Lugo's sentiments. Please feel free to let him know what you would like to you know, what information you would like to know on Destiny 2, because I'm not really sure how much information you'll actually get at the event, but definitely feel free to drop in questions you want him to ask, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah. Sounds good. So, Gary, how about you let us know what you've been playing? Uh, of course, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch. 
Um, and also, um, I've been playing the uh, the Quake Champions closed beta, which I'll be able to officially talk about from Tuesday onwards. So look out for my write-up that will be on the website on Tuesday. And um, also, um, I've also been trying to finish uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm right at the last mission now, so I can complete it like any time I want at this point. But I'm not really motivated to do so because I'm just bored by this point. Like, because like Max said, there's so much filler, and the game is just like so shallow um, up to this point. Like, yeah, there's a lot of content, but a lot of it isn't really meaningful, and it actually becomes tedious. Like, once you get you know 30 to 40 hours in. And you realize that a lot of what you're doing, like, isn't, doesn't have any substance to it. Like, it adds nothing to the story. And I don't feel like the story itself is that strong anyway, you know, in, like, for a Mass Effect game. Because, uh, the last two games, like, I mean, the last three games just sucked you in completely. Like, you wasn't even thinking about how much time you were spending on the game. But, you know, this game, it, it doesn't have that same effect. And, um, yeah, so. I really am looking forward to our, you know, reflective discussion that we have on that game because there's going to be a lot of interesting thoughts and comments um, during that show whenever we get around to doing it. But yeah, um, I will try to beat that game just to get it out the way so that I can focus on, you know, some some other games that I need to get to, like Persona and Near and Horizon, you know, because these are games I still haven't beat yet. So. Yeah, I definitely want to get Mass Effect out of the way. But besides that, I haven't been playing anything else. So a pretty light week for me, unfortunately. That's quite all right. So I just want to make two quick comments before I talk about what I have been playing. First and foremost, Gary, I have to give you a special shout out because, you know, I believe that Overwatch came out last year and officially we are entering May. It'll be a whole year. It's been out and you have been talking about this game for a whole year. So congratulations. You know, I think that uh, Blizzard, we need to be hooking you up with something uh, once the uh, anniversary date comes up. Because, yeah, you've been talking about this game heavily. So that's dedication. I got to give props on that. Oh, yeah, man. That game's like crack. It's, it's addictive, man. Like for sure and i'm hoping that there'll be some kind of one year event like or even some sort of one year um special cosmetic item or something that they put in there just to honor the people who like stuck with the game for a year and stuff like that because i'm sure there, there's a lot of people like like me who have continued to play the game since launch and um i know we we probably also have something big to look forward to at e3 as well regarding an overwatch announcement so yeah I think there's good things coming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the other quick comment I was going to make is that, um, you know, regarding Mass Effect Andromeda, you know, uh, yes, we are going to still have a reflective podcast, but I will say this right now. The fact that both you and Max says you were not anxious or excited uh, to finish the game, I believe that says a lot right there. Because, man, EA and Bioware... Hey, I don't know what's going to happen with the series after this game, but man, that, that's that's not good. Um, so we'll see. I have been trying to play that game, but I, I've been very preoccupied with a lot of other games. So, you know, but again, we are still going to have that podcast at some point. I don't know when exactly because, you know, it depends how soon we finish the game, but we definitely will have it because people have been asking about it. So 
I just wanted to make sure I didn't mention that. Shouts to Fergus Mills because he's been asking for it. <laughs> yes, yeah, shout out to Mills. We, we will let you know what we think for sure soon. All right, so let me get into what I've been playing. Uh, I've actually been very, very busy. You know, normally JJ is the busiest one with all the games that he plays. But but listen, this week, I believe I broke his record of playing a lot of games this week. That uh, It's been pretty crazy. So uh, first and foremost, I finally got a chance to playing Tales from the Borderlands. I've heard a lot of people say before that this is possibly uh, Telltale's best a game that they've released out of all the games they've released so far. And I would have to say so far, the story is very, very well done. Um, the gameplay, I mean, it still has the technical issues that, uh, you know, that, that are known for Telltale games. But overall, so far, I'm very much enjoying what the game has to offer. Um, yeah, again, I mean, the, the storytelling is just spot on. The fact that you can, that you, they have instances where you switch between both characters is, is great. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this game is actually going to be free for PlayStation Plus owners uh, next month. So I definitely would recommend that you try it out if you haven't tried it out yet. But yeah, a very a fun time. Uh, I just finished up episode two last night, so I still have three more episodes to go, but I'm very much enjoying that game. And would trust say, me. Uh, would you say it's like one of the best stories so far in Telltale or one of the most uh, standout ones? You know, that's that's real tough to answer because one thing I, I do want to say, I know Max and I had a discussion yesterday. He told me that the, because I haven't played any of the other Borderlands games, but he told me that the other Borderlands games, the story is not really that great. So he already said this has a better story, um, which I believe to an extent that that, yeah, I believe he is correct with that because, you know, Telltale is known for the stories. Um, but to make the comparison so far, I don't really know if I could say it's the best quite yet. I could say so far it's solid, uh, up and down. It's, it's very funny, very comical, uh, very laid back type of game, but, uh, I have to finish the game completely before I can say whether or not it's the best. Um, but it's, it's in a pretty good place right now, I would say on my list. So I'll be sure to give my thoughts on it further after I finish the last three episodes, because then I'll have a better idea as to what the whole story has to offer. But um, for those who haven't tried it out again, it's going to be free on PlayStation Plus uh, in May. So you definitely should check it out because, uh, I mean, it's free. So look for that. Uh, to stay, stay with Telltale, I've also played The Walking Dead Episode 4, uh, which also came out last week. And I can say right now that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much enjoying The Walking Dead Season 3. Uh, the episode 4, though, that ending was absolutely intense. It, it was it, it's, it's some very, very heavy-handed decisions that are made in that particular episode. And what I liked about the episode also is that it definitely goes back to, you know, you get reminded of things from previous episodes. Like, you know, when Telltale did their 400 Days DLC... We got an understanding of how they connected some stuff that happened in the first season. Uh, with this game, you you get stuff that happened in the second season. Uh, I'm not going to say there is an appearance of a character from season two that uh, you does show up in this episode, which I was surprised to see. Um, but oh, so far, you know, that episode is just fantastic. You know, I know a lot of people have had maybe a couple of mixed thoughts, you know, because they will look at these episodes uh, as individual episodes, not so much the whole season. 
you know, I am doing a review of the entire season uh, because, I mean, the, the story continues onward in the characters. A lot of stuff happens, so I don't really think it's fair to just do a review for one episode when we're talking about the whole season as a whole. So I am going to have a review shortly after episode five drops uh, just to give my overall thoughts on every single episode within one contained space. But I can say so far, episode four was was pretty great. Uh, the ending, though, again, it's a crazy ending. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in episode five. I don't want to give away any spoilers because I don't know if anybody has had a chance to play it yet. But I will say this. If you do have access to The Walking Dead right now, if you bought the season pass, so on and so forth, um, you definitely should have already played this game. If you, if you haven't played it yet, you need to play it because it's it's definitely a good time. Um, so... And in terms of whether or not it's the best Walking Dead so far, uh, man, you know, I'm not really sure if I can say that yet. I mean, it's up there. It's up there for sure. I think it's better than season two already, but will will it be better than season one? We'll see about that. But so far, it's it's pretty good. So definitely recommend you check it out if you haven't. Uh, one other game that I did play, and this is a game that I saw you guys mentioned in the chat already. I've been playing the Prey demo. Uh, and I would like to say right now, um, I know that Bethesda, there won't be any early reviews of Prey. Obviously, we already know what Bethesda's policy is, but I have to give them credit for doing what they did with this game because they have a lot of videos out there of like the first 35 minutes of the demo that they released. Plus, they also have the demo that anybody can download and play. And the demo lasts for about an hour and some change, uh, depending on, you know, how much you want to actually explore. I can tell you right now, though, the demo is fantastic. You know, I was sold on the game as soon as I played the demo, you know, because, you know, I was going to get the game initially uh, based off of what I have seen so far. But then once I played the demo, that completely changed all that. I said, oh, yeah, I'll definitely get this. Um, the music is fantastic. Actually, the composer of the music is the same composer that did Doom. So you already know the music is going to be on point. Um Again, you know, the demo was only last for really an hour, a little bit over an hour. So I haven't really explored everything that the game has to offer within that time, obviously. But I explored enough to say, yeah, I'm definitely interested in this. So um, if you do want to try out the demo, it is on Xbox and PlayStation now. Uh, so definitely, absolutely should try it out. Um, but I enjoyed a lot about it. You know, as I said, the music, the the action was 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 great you know I, I have no complaints um and it is coming out this friday so eventually we, we will have a review for the game at some point uh in the future but i definitely would say based off of playing the demo i i, I can't recommend it enough that you, you definitely should check it out um because it is you know if you like first person shooters if you like single player with a story um you'll you'll enjoy this game there is no multiplayer aspect in it whatsoever. You know, I, I've said many times on this show, I love single player shooters like Wolfenstein. Um, this is on that same level. So if you're interested, definitely check it out. It, it is, it'll be worth your time. And uh, last, but certainly certainly not, not least, and the re there's a reason why I saved this for last. Um, I got a chance to finally play uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Okay, I just want to say this right now. Um, indie games are fantastic in pretty much every way possible. But, you know, 
this particular game that I played, you know, I went into this experience not really knowing too much. All I knew was that I was intrigued by the actual storyline because essentially the storyline is about a character. You know, you, you play Edith Finch and she goes to uh, a house that she grew up in with her whole family. Now, the family is they have this uh, death curse that they all at, at different points in time, they, they've passed on. But what you are doing is exploring different rooms where they lived in, and thus you're learning about what happened to them in their final moments of death. The game is very, 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 very deep, very, very emotional. The experiences that you see and the way that it is handled as a whole, I, I have to say, I'll be very surprised if this game does not win any awards at the end of the year uh, for like the best indie game. You know, even it, I would say it's even in the caliber where it could go above that and be something that is nominated. I'm not going to say it's going to win game of the year, but I would not be surprised if it's at least nominated for that. Because certain things that happen in this game, the way they handle it. And I'll give one example. I'm not going to spoil a lot, but I'll give one example. For example, let's say that you have a relative in her family that was a photographer. Okay. So when you go to their room, you open up a little area they have, maybe a photo that they took. And as you're looking at the photo, you pretty much will see what happened to them, uh, you know, in their final moments of death, but through a series of photos that you are actually looking at and snapping pictures. Uh, this type of stuff is just, I mean, it's very hard to really describe really just how phenomenal the animation and everything is put together. But I definitely have to say, you know, if again it's a very emotional game you're going to have there's no way that you can play this game and not feel a certain type of way after playing it but i will say this it's definitely worth playing i will give a disclaimer now and tell all of you the game is only about maybe two hours uh maybe an hour and a half it's currently twenty dollars on both ps4 and pc i have no idea if it's coming to xbox in the future but I will say, you know, it's fine if you don't want to spend the $20 now. But as soon as this price drops on this game, you need to pick up this game. Because, again, it's just something about it. It's very hard to really describe. Uh, but I just, I would say it's like it's an emotional roller coaster because you get to experience how these people's lives were in their final moments. It's something about that that's very, very deep um, on a whole nother level. I haven't really seen too many other games that have tried to do this type of stuff or tried to explain stuff in this way. But um, I definitely give it my highest recommendation that you should check it out as soon as possible. What's the full name of the game again? Uh, repeat that. What's the name of the game again? Like the full name? It's uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Okay. Uh, it's made by uh, Giant Sparrow. Uh, I believe Max, you told me they've also worked on um, the vanishing of Ethan Carter. I believe. Oh, I don't know if they worked on it. The game just sounds very similar to it. They may have. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I actually don't know who made Vanishing of Ethan Carter. It's not the oh. same studio. I mean, they they would say like you know in a bunch of places. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably not. I don't really know. I'm looking it up right now. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll have more information on that later. I, I do have a review that I'm putting together for the game. But uh, again, I just I did want to say that, uh, again, now it's not really your normal type of game. This is like a first person adventure game. Some people would say it's like a walking simulator, maybe like a Firewatch. 
or like um, Gone Home. But again, the stuff that the themes that it deals with, how it actually shows the different instances in which things happen to certain characters, it really, really will pull you in. So I recommend try it out and let me know how, what you think about it in the future if you do try it out. Um, but that pretty much concludes what we have been playing. Uh, I figured we should move on to some news because, uh, yeah, I, but I had to get that out because that there's a lot of games that I play. I told you guys I've been busy this week, you know. This is this is busy season for us. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right into the news. And uh, obviously, uh, right at the top of the news, we're going to talk about a game that the Gary has told me he's looking forward to very much. Uh, that is Call of Duty World War II. Uh, now, last week, we spoke about this game, uh, you know, basically talking about, you know, the reveal was coming up, uh, so we would get more information. Um, so quite a bit of news has come out on Call of Duty. Of course, we got a reveal trailer a couple of days ago. Um, I What I found interesting is the story, uh, which I heard the story is about pretty much a 19-year-old uh, young man that uh, gets involved in the war. Um, and they're actually, most of the story is going to be taken from his perspective. So it's not going to be your typical Call of Duty, um, in a sense, because of that, of those aspects. Uh, the character is not, you know, is someone who was very afraid of war. So, you know, he has to adjust to being in this, these type of situations. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys whether or not, uh, you're excited for this game or you think, uh, you know, this is probably just going to be the same old Call of Duty and you're not really interested in it. So, Max, I'm going to ask you first, because I see you was laughing. So I think you probably saying, yeah, this this game is, is not going to be good. So what do you think, Max? I was actually laughing because Gary called me a damn Hanzo main in the chat, which is very not true. But um, I think that based on the trailer and everything, the story looks... Like it looks fine. It just it, to me, it looks like another World War II shooter right now. There wasn't a whole lot revealed, and I'm sure that it's going to play similar to the previous games as well. Aside from like you said, just playing in the one character, the 18 or 19 year old person in the U.S. forces. But um, what I was interested in was actually some of the multiplayer details revealed. Um, they haven't shown any gameplay yet, but they said that there's going, it's going to be like 48 players, I believe, and that there's going to be some sort of headquarters mode is actually going to be like the main focus. And then there's going to be social spaces or something like that. It wasn't too clear, but that made me think it's going to be maybe like Destiny or something where you could have social spaces and then go off and do multiplayer. I don't know. That was really weird. And I hope that that gets cleared up soon. But I also really like World War II games and just with the World War II era in general. So if this game ends up being pretty good and not over the top and ridiculous, I may actually end up picking it up because I honestly, I really miss zombies too. They said zombies coming back and zombies used to be such a core part of me playing video games back in World at War and Black Ops 1 was the last Call of Duty I really played. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an issue getting back into that kind of stuff if the game is really good because I really like that era. But right now, it doesn't mean much to me right now. That game doesn't mean much. 
I'm on the flip side of that, to be honest with you. And and, and not because I reviewed the last Call of Duty game, Call of Duty game well, because even though I felt like that game was still good, this comes to show. And for the record, by the way, I said it a couple times already since we found out about this. I'll say it again. Your boy JJ was right. I called this from a mile away when this was going down, especially after when Battlefield 1 came out. Okay, So the reason why I think this is a good thing is because Sledgehammer does World War II right. If you guys remember, they were the guys that did, uh, what was it, um, was it World at War for a while back? And it, it's interesting because Battlefield 1 shows that you don't have to have a futuristic military shooter in order to do well, in order to be successful. And Call of Duty, for better or worse, no matter where you stand on it, is one of the biggest gaming franchises, period, right now in the modern day of gaming. It sells and it prints money. And... They're going to follow the trends. They're going to follow the trends of whatever's successful, whatever's going to push them more into the limelight, and whatever is going to sell to a lot of the people that go out and buy Call of Duty every year is what they're going to follow. And this seems like the most ideal move for them to go back to World War II, especially when World War I worked out so well for Battlefield. So Call of Duty is technically, probably, arguably, I, w- I shouldn't say technically, I should say arguably, the king of World War II games because Call of Duty 2, anybody? If anybody remembers Call of Duty 2 from back in the day, Call of Duty, uh, was it Finest uh, was it finest Hour? You know, and, and all these other Call of Duty games that were set in World War II when that was the fad that was going around in the games industry for a long time. Back at the PlayStation 2 days, back on play, on PC, even uh, the original Xbox. So this makes sense. What's interesting about this one is because not only do they have zombies, which is, again, Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer was really the one that really started that whole trend with zombies in the Call of Duty games. And that kind of evolved into kind of like Aliens and a few other things down the line in future Call of Duty games. But they know... They, they're pretty much... This is what they do best. This, and it's ideal for them... For that studio to be the ones to go back to World War II for the franchise. Because I feel like they're going to do it the best. They're going to at least take what's been done right with the modern day Call of Duties or the futuristic setting Call of Duty games. And try to apply that to a World War II setting. And, you know, take everything else, you know, the controls, the maps, the map design, uh, the single player campaign stuff from the last Call of Duty game, I hope. And implement that into this new one. And I think it's going to work out for the better for them. I think what people need to do is they need to kind of stop being so narrow-minded and at least look at Call of Duty in the same optimistic view, the same way that they did with Battlefield 1. Because I feel like this is the, this is going to start, uh, was it, a, a good kind of, you know, back and forth between both Call of Duty and uh, Battlefield. Because th- there's so many good things being done between both franchises in their own little ways. It's not about just the multiplayer anymore. It's about more of the entire package, the single player and the multiplayer and everything else that comes along with it. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you both have said already. And, and, and you know, yes, uh, I think that Sledgehammer did an excellent job on Advanced Warfare. I know it was still a futuristic setting, but the, the story, actually, the single-player campaign, that was probably the one that I've enjoyed the most so far. I have not yet played uh, Infinite Warfare storyline, uh, so I still need to play that. But Advanced uh, Warfare was awesome. So I'm pretty sure Sledgehammer is going to do a great job on this game. Um. We'll have to see how it turns out. I, I, I do have another question I want to ask, but Gary, first, tell me what are your thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm still not excited because um, you know Activision has to do a lot to win me back as you know a Call of Duty supporter and everything. But I will say that seeing the trailer and you know seeing Call of Duty back in that World War II setting, it was good. Like it, it feels like this is the way it should be kind of thing like it felt 
really organic like this is the way it's supposed to be so i am intrigued and like you guys have said um sledgehammer has made some of the better call of call of duty games so you know based on that i do want to kind of give them you know more of a chance than i have previously um so yeah i'm intrigued and i will keep an eye out to see what they're doing with the game um specifically the multiplayer because that's really why i play call of duty 4 if i'm gonna play you know a call of duty game is the multiplayer so I'll, I'll keep an eye out i'm intrigued at the moment but um i mean the trailer didn't do that much for me besides you know getting me kind of excited that they're going back to world war Two. but the trailer itself you know like what happened in the trailer like cgi trailers don't do much for me in general you know but it's good to see call of duty back in that era you know yeah no w- w- without question so the question i wanted to ask though you know because we know that the way activision sets up these games on their development cycle so i wanted to ask you guys now do you think as a result of sledgehammer deciding to go back to world war Two? Can we expect the next couple of Call of Duty games from the other studios to also be within the same time frame? Or do you think that they may try something different or revert back to the futuristic setting that they have already been doing for the last couple of years? If they were smart, they do both. Because if you have people like Sledgehammer or at least a studio like Sledgehammer working on the the past day Call of Duties, the World War II uh, era Call of Duties, and then you have, uh, what is it? infinity ward working on the futuristic call of duty games then you got the best of both worlds and then there's a call of duty for everybody no matter what setting you prefer and stuff there's something that's going to be there for you if it's not this year it's next year and then the following year like that they'll have both sides kind of accounted for that's something i think that because of the sheer size of the franchise of call of duty and also the the funds and the resources available to activision and stuff you can't really get that from ea and dice you know, with Battlefield, even though EA is still just as big a studio as Activision. Again, they're a really big third-party uh, developer. But again, these big third-party developers or third-party publishers have their hands in multiple different things. And I feel like with Activision, they've put a lot of stock into Call of Duty over the years. And that's been germinated, that's been honed, that's been grown over many, many years. And they've had a lot of big hits with that franchise. So that at least I feel like they have the adaptability or at least the freedom and the breathing room to be able to do something like that. Whereas everybody else doesn't as much. Very good yeah, points. I've, go ahead, Gary. I, I think, um, I don't think they'll go back to the future anytime soon. What I think they might do is bring back like a modern warfare. So like it's current kind of like, you know, current technology and stuff. So, like, they might rotate between, you know, like, World War Two and then, you know, a modern warfare, you know, based on, like, current events and stuff. And then, you know, uh, just rotate back to World War Two. I think. Um, I don't think they should go back to World War One either because, like, that might seem desperate because, you know, Battlefield already did it. So, yeah, I think they should just rotate between World War Two and modern yeah, I agree with that, and I think that is what they're going to do. I doubt they're going to just put another World War II game out there right after this, and same with World War One. I. I don't think they'll do that either. I think, yeah, I don't know if they'll go super futuristic or not. That'd be that's an interesting one. I I'd have to think about that a little bit more. But yeah, I definitely don't think that they'll just stick with World War Two after this. 
It's very difficult too because there isn't a lot of wars they could go to now that would work. Because I mean, Battlefield One did World War One, and I think I don't, I don't remember, but I want to say that Call of Duty has maybe done it in like one of the early earlier games, or they were always World War Two. I could be wrong about that, but there's not a lot of wars that have happened in history that you could do a past Call of Duty game on besides maybe World War II and even World War One, in order to kind of get a lot of people behind. Because I think in the, even in, back in like some other games, I can't remember which one, some places or some developers have tried to do the Vietnam War and have tried to do other wars that were very similar. And they weren't as popular because of like the nature of how those wars played out in history. Vietnam was a war that we really didn't kind of, you know, not only didn't deserve to be in, but also we didn't really win. We kind of got our asses handed to us, you know, as a country. But... My point is, is that it's a lot easier in that case if you just don't want to do a past world world war that hasn't already been done to go to the future and come up with your own scenarios. That's why I think that they more than likely they would probably favor going back to the future at some point. But like I said, they have multiple studios working on the same franchises. They could cover both worlds if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I believe you, you guys hit it right on the head. Uh, past, present, and future. You know, there's three studios working on Call of Duty. So if they took that approach where each studio is working on different times, uh, I think that would be pretty good. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see what the Activision ultimately decides. Uh, I will say I'm definitely interested in this Call of Duty game. Uh, only because I know Sledgehammer is going to make it a great game. Uh, we still need to learn more information about it, though. So obviously, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get more information at E3, I'm assuming. But um, so far, so good. Yeah, uh, going back to like the question of what they may do, do you guys feel like it would be good for them to kind of like manufacture a war? So like basically alter events that have happened in history to like kind of make up a war? That might be like the best idea. Yeah, yeah, like Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein. Yeah. or Homefront yeah. or something. Yeah, cool. I think that's the best idea, to be honest yeah. with you. If, if you want to do something in the past but not, like, redo the same territory, that could also work. Yeah, totally. Very good idea, Gary. They may need to hire you for, uh, you know, on the writing team for that one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, just I'll give out my email address if they want to contact me. <laughs> so we, can, we can work out something. <laughs> That's kind of the same concept, minus the sci-fi aspect, uh, as Resistance, if you think about it. I mean, and the same thing like what you mentioned with Homefront, where just it's an alternate timeline, you know, kind of like a Red Dawn-esque type of deal. And I feel like that could work, too. But again, you have to take a lot of creative liberties with that. And even then, if you're going to take as many creative liberties, you know, as far as narrative, as far as plot, as far as gameplay even, then at that point, you go to the future. Because I feel like you have a lot more room to play around going to the future with that type of uh, was it type of creative freedom. That's true. That's true. Well, hopefully this is something that they are going to consider because I really, really like that idea. I want them to take a lot more risk with uh, some of the storytelling, so on and so forth. So maybe they, they will consider that. But great idea. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more about uh, Call of Duty World War Two. So we'll have more information on that, I assume. Definitely by E3. Uh, but uh, any other thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? I'm good. No, I'm ready to get into the next one. I'm ready. All right. So, yes, this next one is all for you, Mr. Lugo. Uh, we finally got a story trailer for Capcom 
versus Marvel Infinite. And I, I don't know how you want. I don't know how you want to phrase it. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite or Capcom Capcom versus. I, I believe that. I believe you got it right that time. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because I, I. I mean, I just looked at it like, okay, well, close enough. But yeah, we got a story trailer. Um, I do have some thoughts on that trailer, but I'm going to ask you first, Mr. Lugo, what did you think about the trailer and the gameplay footage that has been circulating out there on YouTube, so on and so forth? So I actually got to see some of the gameplay before the story trailer dropped. I actually saw some of the leaks that came out on both Reddit as well as also, also I believe, on NeoGAF. I can't remember the exact spot where the footage first dropped, you know, where it was at, but I know it came from like one of those two spots. Um, it looks very, very, as far as like, you know, the gameplay wise, it looks very similar to the original Marvel vs. Capcom as far as the way, the layout of stuff. You only have two characters per side per team. It's not three characters, so it's not as hectic as Ultimate Marvel 3, but it's still just as fast. It still plays like a Marvel vs. Capcom 3, but it's, it feels a little bit much more kind of relaxed, a little bit more uh, balanced, you know, at least at first glance. Again, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be changing with this game from now to when it's finally released, which is coming out, I believe, it's in September. Um, it still looks very nice. It has a lot more of the aesthetic inspired by the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though it's still just as toony as any of the other games that have been in the series. Uh, as far as the story trailer, now, this is the first time in the, in the entire series' history that we're getting a story mode for Marvel vs. Capcom. This is the first time that they're actually going to try to make sense of it all, which I think is fine. I think it's a natural evolution of a lot of fighting games that have been coming out now, especially since Mortal Kombat was really the trend starter that really kind of got the story and the fighting game really, you know, with the ball rolling with that. So it's only natural for Capcom to implement that same type of uh, idea or at least same approach to a lot of their fighting games. They've done it with Street Fighter already, and I feel like Marvel vs. Capcom or the Versus series in general is going to be the next step for them. Now, with that being said, what's going down? It's very cool because we're starting to see a lot more Mega Man love from Capcom. This is the first time we're actually starting to see this in quite a while. We got Mega Man X characters. We got Mega Man X in the game, obviously. We got Sigma who's one of the main baddies for Mega Man X, but he's actually part of the plot. He's part of the narrative, and he's also a playable character, apparently. But him and Ultron, Ultron being the main baddie from the Avengers, the big robot from Avengers Age of Ultron and stuff, uh, him and Sigma kind of, you know, fuse, and they create, uh, what is it, Ultra Sigma, basically. It's this big baddie, which is just a combination of the two characters. It's the very same type of idea that you've seen in past like, you know, uh, either Capcom games or old school fighting games where it's just like if there's two franchises coming together, they take an amalgamation of their villains and they put them together. It's a one super villain that's an NPC. And that's kind of cool. That's an interesting idea, especially if you want to move things along. But with this one, they're going to put together a whole narrative to it. And it's going to involve the Infinity Stones, which is also part of the gameplay. The Infinity Stones, I think, are interesting because they, they remind me a little bit of like the V-Triggers from Street Fighter V, where... At the start of, like, when you're actually on the character select screen, at least from what they're describing, you get to choose your character, your team, you know, the two characters you're going to mess with, and the Infinity Stone you want to bring with you into battle. And each one of the Infinity Stones you could choose has a different effect. Uh, one of the effects is to encapsulate uh, your opponent in a small space, which I believe is the Space Stone, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's the Time Stone, which makes you super speed and everything else around you uh, slow down. The Power Stone, which increases your damage and your knockback. Then you got the Soul Stone, which has another effect. It, there's all these different things that I think are pretty cool and work well with the gimmick and with the whole setup and the premise behind Marvel vs. Capcom. Now, they were very clear 
in the press releases and a couple other spots that went out with information and previews that we started to see popping up all over the place that with people that got the chance to check out the game and actually get hands on time with the game, that this is not going to be as big a roster as Marvel vs. Capcom 3 or any of the other previous Marvel vs. Capcom games. And I think that's a good thing for a number of different reasons. It's going to make the game a little bit more balanced or at least, you know, allow them to make the game more balanced. You're going to start seeing characters that probably didn't get a lot of shine before in previous games start to get shine now. Hopefully we get to see more characters that we haven't seen in previous games as much. Like obviously Captain Marvel is a big newcomer, a big new face to the series. Uh, Mega Man X, obviously. And again, the list goes on. Hawkeye, etc. So for what I've seen so far of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, I like what I've seen thus far. I still think there's a long way to go. I still want to see the other characters that are part of this roster. It's still up in the air whether the X-Men characters are going to be implemented into this member. There was a big piece of news that came out a while back that since it's going to be based more on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the X-Men were going to take a back seat to all this. And they might not even be in the game in the first place. There was also rumors that they might be offered as DLC at some point, which would make sense. But again, this is all unconfirmed stuff that we still don't know about. So I'm hoping when we go to E3 in this June, not only do we get to play it, which I'm really hoping because I want to get hands on time with it, but we also get a chance to actually get more information about the roster and other aspects of the story, you know, that are going to be uh, really important to, again, how this game is going to be projected overall. But that's my thoughts on Marvel's Capcom thus far. I'm actually liking what I see so far, but it's still only what we got. Okay, so uh, a question for for, for Gary. Uh, now, we have to ask this. We still don't know whether or not the X-Men will appear in this game, but I wanted to ask you, Gary, uh, based off of what you've seen from Marvel vs. Capcom so far, are you interested in it, or do you think if the X-Men are not in it, then you more than likely may wait on this game as opposed to picking it up day one? Um, I mean, ultimately, I'm... Um... I'm a little indifferent about the game because I prefer the old art style. But, um, I mean, the game could still be good, though. And, you know, as for the the roster and the X-Men, it seems like a lot of, um, you know, Marvel licenses, like games that have a Marvel license, are focusing on, you know, the uh, the MCU story and stuff. So they're, they're trying to incorporate... All, all of those characters that you see in the, the MCU and, you know, all the major characters leading into Infinity War. So I think, you know, it's all kind of just tying in and it's kind of, um, you know, running alongside what's happening in the MCU. And that's, I guess that's why a lot of the more popular uh, Marvel characters are taking a backseat because, you know, they're not part of the film universe, which is unfortunate, but... I guess it makes sense business-wise because, like, you know, we're drawing into um, the Infinity War uh, movie, which is coming out at the top of next year, 2018. So it makes sense that a lot of these Marvel properties and games and stuff would kind of, you know, tie in with that because it's it's great marketing for both sides. It's great for Capcom and great for Marvel because, you know, it's all kind of syncing together and it's gonna get people interested in both you know so uh, I can you know I can see why it's a good business decision to go that way but yeah I, I, I don't see why you can't just throw in the X-Men just you know just because like I mean you can still tell the story you want to tell in the game and still have these other characters that people want to use at the same time like I, I don't see why you can't just 
you know, include some of these characters because you know people are going to ask why they're not in the game. And I mean, technically, you have the right to use them because it's not, you know, it's not a movie; it's a game. So they can use these characters if they want to. So I don't see what the issue is, ultimately. But yeah. Um, so, so, so you're saying you want to see Old Man Logan and, and Deadpool in this game? I would love to see Deadpool because he's one of my favorites, and you know, or X twenty three. Yeah, X twenty three. Yeah, that would be cool. She was in Marvel three, but, but I, definitely that'll be another one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if they they can do, they they can have the best of both worlds. They can have a story that focuses on just the MCU characters, but they can also include these other characters. Like it, it shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Um, I do have quick two quick questions to to ask, but but Max, you have any thoughts on the trailer? Are you are you excited or are you indifferent to what the game has to offer? Um. I don't really have many thoughts to share just because I'm not super into fighting games. Like, I want to get into them maybe at one point, but they're just not really my cup of tea at this point. So I don't really have too much to share. It, it does look cool, though. Like, I like Marvel Universe and all that stuff, but just not really my thing. Okay. Hey, fair enough. So let me... I, now, I have to ask these two quick questions. One question I have to ask because I feel as though this is probably what people overlooked when this announcement came. Now, do we believe that Capcom has learned from the mistakes of Street Fighter V? I have to ask this question because I, I, because I, I don't know if they have. Oh, go ahead. Jury's still out on that. Jury, we'll know once this game comes out. To be honest with you, because there's a number of different things. I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine, uh, Mike Martin, and I think a couple other people uh, a while back about this specifically. Not about Marvel, but about the notion of, you know, if other games, uh, you know, after Street Fighter V will actually be different because of the response and the reception that I got at some point. Uh, but basically, you know, with the story mode, with the arcade mode, all the stuff that they included in that press release about Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite right now, and the game's not out, is pointing to signs that they have. And because they, they, they learned, and I hope they learned, that you can't just discount the non-competitive player. That's the thing. Like people like myself, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys that love these games, not just Street Fighter or Marvel vs. Capcom, but like Injustice, Tekken, Guilty Gear, uh, Skullgirls, all these different fighting games that are out there. There is a competitive scene, and those are your hardcore ride or die people. But there's all these other people that will go out and buy your games. If not this one, then the next one, and the one after that. Even though they don't go and play to tournaments, so why would you cater to just that tournament crowd or that tournament scene when it's such a small section of all the people that that uh, encompass together that buy your game? So at least that's what everybody's hoping, myself included, is the lesson that Capcom took out of this because it was a. In hindsight, it was a bad move for them to do that for Street Fighter V. And it had all types of ramifications. But that's just one opinion on the matter. I agree with that opinion 100%. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I, hopefully they did learn. But, yeah, as you said, we'll, we'll find out more as we go to E3. I, I'll tell you one thing, though, Rich. What really probably was like an extra sting or extra nail in the coffin was when Mortal Kombat X came out. Because Mortal Kombat X and also games like Guilty Gear had all the stuff that Street Fighter V was offering at launch and then some and then even more. And that was the word of mouth for a very long time. If you remember that when Mortal Kombat X first came out, uh, the story mode and everything else is what a lot of people talked about. Oh, yeah. Uh, And listen, you know. And Tekken, by the way, Tekken 7 doing the exact same thing. 
Yes. Oh, oh, well, that that's actually going to get to my other question. So I, I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, but no, I I agree. You know, we will have to see how it is at E3, uh, whether or not when the game comes out, it actually delivers and it has all the content or if it's going to be some something up with that. Uh, Gary, did you have anything you wanted to add? Because I know you played Street Fighter V a couple times and you were very disappointed with some aspects of the game. So I was just going to ask uh, what your thoughts were. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much more to add. I just, you know, I hope that they won't run into the same type of issues they did, you know, with Street Fighter Five, particularly with the networking and, um, you know, launching the game on PC and stuff. I hope they learned their lesson, really. We'll know. Well, we'll know sooner rather than later. And the one last question I wanted to ask on this topic. Uh, again, I'm going to ask this question because I think, I think I already know the answer to the question, but I have to ask. So now we know that this game is coming out in September 19th. We know Tekken is coming out in June. And we know that Injustice 2 is coming out next month, actually in a couple of weeks. I wanted to ask you guys, which game are you mo- more excited for thus far? Um, so that's tough. That's tough because they're all doing something different. And I think we all, all of us are looking forward to all three of them like that. There's no question about that. But as far as like the one that's the most intriguing, I would have, for me personally, I would have to say injustice because that's the one besides Marvel that I haven't really had hands on time with. And we know a lot about and still don't know everything about it. Because at least I played Tekken 7. I played the actual retail version of Tekken 7 a couple times now. And I'm still excited about that game, even though I've already know what it's going to be about. It's still Tekken. I'm excited to dive into the story mode and all that other stuff. But with Injustice, I feel like it's a little bit different because of not only it being comic book characters, which is a hot thing right now, because of it being NetherRealm Studios that did Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat was so good. Uh, the different aspects that they're having with the loot system for their characters, which is a whole nother a factor that a lot of people are still curious about that haven't played the beta. There's a lot of different stuff with that. At least with Marvel vs. Capcom, you kind of know what you're getting with Marvel vs. Capcom right out the gate. Now at this point. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, with, with for me, without a doubt, it is Injustice 2. I did get hands-on time with the game. Um, I did see that Joker reveal trailer recently. And that, that to me, just pushed it over because I want to know why, how is this character still alive? All this other stuff. Um, Not to mention all the other characters that are already in the game that also got a couple of trailers uh, sprinkled throughout the last couple of weeks. So I I have to say Injustice 2 is what I'm looking forward to the most thus far. Um, I still will get Tekken, obviously, and I still will get, uh, you know, the other game, Marvel vs. Capcom. But right now, to me, Injustice 2 at the top of the list. Uh, Gary? Yeah, that that is a hard question because, uh, you know, I consider myself a casual fighting game player. Um, I'm willing, I'm open to, you know, try any fighting game, but as for those three particular games, um, I might have to lean towards Injustice, to be honest with you. Um, uh, like you said, the, the Joker reveal was pretty good. And I like the concept of the story, even though I haven't been following the Injustice story at all. Like, I, I'm not sure what happened in the first game and everything. But, you know, just from a, a fighting game perspective, like, I, I feel like I'm, I have more interest in those set of characters in a game than, you know, the other ones in particular. Um, 
I am interested in Tekken 7, but um, I haven't played a Tekken game in a long time. And I feel like the the previous ones might have been a little subpar, if I remember correctly. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too sure on that. But, you know, I, I am looking forward to trying that out as well. And, you know, Marvel versus Capcom, I'm kind of like, I'm more excited, but I'm keeping an eye on it just to see where it goes and, you know, what's, what the situation is with the cast of characters and stuff like that. So, yeah, just based on what I know at the moment, I would say Injustice, because it seems like it's going to be pretty interesting overall. Definitely, definitely. Well, well, we'll see. So, uh... Any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? Not for me. Okay. Um, this next topic is probably going to go real quick because we don't really know all the information for this so far. But I guess we didn't want to mention it because uh, I think a couple people didn't, you know, haven't really looked into this story a little bit further. But uh, there is uh, a lot of things going on with uh, Vivendi. Uh, and the fact that they may be trying to acquire Ubisoft. Uh, you know, there was a story that came out earlier this week that said that they currently own 25% of the, you know, stock within the company. And once they get to 30%, then they have to make an offer to Ubisoft for a potential buyout. Now, obviously, we don't really know how this will impact Ubisoft games moving forward. Um I know Ubisoft has said that they would like to remain independent and that they will fight to the to, to, to the bitter end uh, to make sure that none of this stuff happens. But uh, again, it's very likely that it can happen. So I did want to ask the question of, you know, do you, how, do you think this is going to have a major impact on Ubisoft or do you think that impact is maybe for the good or for the bad? Um because I know a lot of us had a couple of mixed reactions to some of the games they released recently, but I just was going to ask that question because we, we don't really have too much information to work off of quite yet. But any thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I, I do feel like some sort of shakeup is in order at Ubisoft. Um, I, I'm not, you know, entirely sure if Vivendi buying them will be a positive shakeup, but. I, I do think something does need to change because, you know, you had The Division, which should have been an amazing game. And, you know, like it, it was hyped up for a long time. And, you know, they, they keep doing that thing where like their games look incredible when you first see them. And then like, you know, it's a serious downgrade when you actually get to play the game. You know, like just different, like these different business practices that they have going on, like they there needs to be some reworking there i think so maybe it could be good if if there is a takeover like maybe it would you know force some positive change but i'm not too sure about vivendi to know whether you know they're regarded as you know a a, a good reputable company or not to be honest um so yeah i'm not sure um i actually um, learn about this news while watching Max's video on it, like as he had a news video. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear what Max thinks of it, but definitely subscribe to his channel too. Um, I think I, I kind of agree with that. I think that um, Ubisoft could do for a shakeup because 
I don't know. Everything they've been putting out lately, it's not. They're not necessarily bad games, from what I've heard. I don't play a lot of them because to me, they all seem like kind of the same thing nowadays. They're all just big open world games with just a lot of collectibles and like they have average stories it seems and they have pretty fun gameplay but they're never anything like super great like they used to be i don't know ubisoft used to be a really great studio back when like assassin's creed was newer and they weren't putting them out yearly and stuff like that you know what i mean so i obviously can't predict what vivendi would do to change this kind of stuff but I don't know, maybe they just want Ubisoft just to have it, or maybe they actually have some good intentions with this. We can't really say for sure until that sort of stuff starts happening, but I don't know. I think it could be good. Ubisoft really isn't on my radar much lately, and this may change that up depending on if they tell us what they want to do. I'm actually on the flip side of this. I actually don't think that they necessarily need a shakeup. But I think that this is going to happen at some point. I feel like because if you don't remember, this has been going on for a while. This has been going on for a very long time. If you remember, there was a story that came out, I want to say earlier last year. I don't remember the exact time frame when there were some moves, power moves that were done to prevent Vivendi from actually acquiring the entire company. Like straight up. Like it was a big deal where not a lot of us in in and out of the industry really understand it because it's a lot of corporate espionage type of stuff. Uh, but basically, this is a thing that's been unfolding for a while, and I feel like it's going to come to a head possibly next year because it can only be so long before a company fights off another larger company that is able to buy it out before it actually gets absorbed. Uh, this could be for a number of different reasons. And to be honest with you, I feel like Vivendi taking over uh, Ubisoft and owning it might actually be a bad idea because, number one, if Ubisoft didn't want, uh, was it, wasn't so worried about a lot of decisions being made for them or at least you know done by people that maybe again they're they're less than savory and stuff they wouldn't be fighting so hard to stay away from them like and they wouldn't be speaking so low about them number one number two but also keep in mind vivendi wouldn't be fighting so hard to acquire the company if they didn't want to actually change up a lot of stuff with them that that's another thing and you don't even have to understand games to really get that because uh they're not going to spend all that money acquire almost 30 percent of the actual entire company in order to just let it sit there and do its own thing disney didn't buy star wars for all those billions of dollars just to let it just sit around let me put it that way when you spend money you want to actually be able to use your investment for something more than likely to make more money on top of that and i'm pretty sure that's what vivendi is probably going to do if and when they actually acquire ubisoft because i think it's going to be inevitable i think it's going to happen and i think that when they find do it's going to be a bad thing because i think i have a strong feeling you're going to start getting more of those annual assassin creed game assassin's creed games i think you're going to start getting other games and other licensed titles that are of lower quality that what we all complain about in the past you know uh stuff like us like uh what is it prince of persia another franchise that's been long dormant you'll start to see other franchises like that start to be released uh, a little bit more frequently if not released in ways that are not as up to like the level of quality as we were hoping to i feel like those are within the realm of possibility simply because of how kind of hostile or how kind of like on edge this whole situation has been. I feel like that's going to be the effect of them actually getting the company, but who knows? We'll find out very soon, I feel like. Yeah. No, it's... Oh, sorry, Rich, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because actually while you're talking about that, I actually remembered this. Um, one of the reasons Vivendi may be pushing this buyout so quickly because... Last year, they said they probably weren't going to rush into buying Ubisoft. They said they were probably going to wait like at least six months into 2017 before looking into buying more stock and stuff like that. However, now they're kind of pushing it. That's why this news came out, because 
There are sources inside saying that Vivendi may not be a very good leader to Ubisoft and that they may not be able to handle it based on some of their past decisions that weren't really open to us, but that's just like the word of mouth going around. So they're kind of trying to rush into this now to buy out Ubisoft before anyone can make any changes in that. And that's interesting that you say that, that it might actually end up being bad because if that's true, that's kind of what the rumor is right now is that they may be a bad leader for it. Now that I think about it, I'm happy I remembered that. Think of it this way, very similar to the Konami situation with a lot of their IPs and what they've done in the game industry. You know, granted, it's a totally different scenario. It's vastly different in some ways. But but my, my point is, is that if if they end up getting bought out, the reason why they're spending money is because they want to make money. And if they end up getting control of a company like that, especially if they're so aggressive about it, because I know they've been aggressive for some time, because I remember different people that I've watched and other websites and other outlets talk about this. And and pretty much, you know, the stories that they were referencing and that they were referring to were saying that Vivendi was really pushing to, to pick off Ubisoft, you know, to add them to, I guess, you know, to, to either to acquire them, to have them do a couple different stuff, or just to add them to their own company. Whatever the case may be, they're not doing it without a reason. They're not doing it just because. Oh, yeah. There's always there's always a a, a, a motivation behind this, this stuff. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. We'll have to see what happens with Ubisoft. I, I think that, you know, I'm glad we, that they took a little bit of a break from Assassin's Creed. Obviously, that will possibly change this year. You know, I expect to get a reveal for that at, at E3. Um, Splinter Cell, I expect that to make a return also at E3. So, you know, I, I give them credit for trying to give a few of these franchises somewhat of a break. But uh, if there is a change that's coming, it, it, the change, I guess, will be welcomed. I mean, I do agree a lot of these other games feel... Uh, a, a little similar as far as uh, what they offer. Uh, Gary mentioned uh, the division, and you know that it was a bit of a disappointment. I I think that the title of the division pretty much that determined where the game is at now. It de- divided a lot of people on it. Some people said it was great. Other, other people other people said it's trash. So you know, but you know I I think uh, with Ubisoft you know and then they they do make some games that I do enjoy like I do I do enjoy the Far Cry games. Now I think that's possibly one of the better uh, franchises that they do have. But if the change is coming, it, like you guys said, it, it's going to come no matter what. And I'm not really sure what the impact will be quite yet. Uh, but I, I definitely do expect if there is going to be a buyout or a offer on the table, it is going to happen this year because again they're only at 25 percent. Once they get to thirty uh, percent, then they can make an offer to Ubisoft, and then that's that kind of changes a lot of a lot of things. So we'll probably hear something about this as the year the year goes on, but um, something to monitor, I guess, just to see how it impacts the games they're working on now. But any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? I'm good. Yes, good. Very good stuff, Max. I have to check out that news that you uh, that you mentioned regarding this. <laughs> okay, so the next topic, uh, I don't really know if um, Gary or, you know, you may not have anything to say on this. Same, same with you as well, uh, Mr. Lugo. You know, we'll, we'll see. But pretty much, we found out a little bit of news regarding 343 Studios last week. Uh, they had an interview that they conducted. I believe it was with Windows Central. Uh, the interview, they pretty much alluded to the fact that 
they did acknowledge that Halo 5, the storyline for Halo 5 wasn't really quite what people wanted because Master Chief was not really in the in the game that much. Uh, this is one criticism that I had with the game last year. A lot of people, a lot of people thought that I was uh, smoking something when I said that you know I, I didn't wasn't really a fan of the story because Master Chief wasn't in it. And my whole perspective of that is that you know this was the first new Halo game for Xbox One. Obviously, you have fans that are looking forward to Master Chief being involved in it, and then those that maybe they decide to pick up an Xbox for the first time. We're finally going to be able to get a chance to play a Halo game, but then to play the Halo game and to see that Master Chief is not featured in it, but maybe only three or four chapters, and then we got uh, you know Spartan Locke for the majority of the game. A lot of people didn't like that. So obviously, three four three says that their goal with Halo Six is to make sure that Master Chief has a much bigger impact, is featured more prominently in the game. Now, obviously, I will say right now, that is a great thing. Um, I feel as though Halo 5 should have had that for the same reason that I just said. You know, a lot of people coming into the series, you know, Master Chief is seen as a mascot for the Xbox brand. So I don't understand why Microsoft as a company would say, well, we're not going to feature him uh, as prominently in this game when they know people are looking forward to Halo 5. So I'm glad he's going to be in Halo 6. Um but we'll have to see how the product turns out. You know, obviously, you know, we'll see about that. But but Max, I wanted to get your opinion on this because I know you also played the campaign and, you know, you felt a lot of the same criticism. So what do you think about this news? Um, I, like, I'm happy they acknowledged this. You know what I mean? I'm happy they're like, yeah, it's a good idea. And we didn't realize that people didn't want Master Chief as much in Halo 5, but that worries me a bit too because the fact that they even considered that as an option is I, it makes me wonder what the hell's going on over there you know what i mean because they said they in the in the article they said that they thought they marketed it in such a way that would surprise people however the entire marketing was like chief is being hunted down and Locke is the one being sent after him. So we all thought, oh, we're going to be playing as Chief on the run. We're going to figure out why he's on the run because there's no way he's evil because we know him. So there's obviously some good reason for what he's doing. So we're going to be playing him and being on the run from this Locke character who was introduced. But I don't think anyone really thought that it would turn into Locke chasing him for, what, five minutes? And then it ended up being just them kind of collabing, but like forcibly collaborate, collaborating and then having Locke just be that main side of it. Like you end up even like saving Chief, which is really, really weird. And to think that they don't know that we want Chief, that just makes me think they don't know what we want in a Halo game. Even though they nailed the multiplayer, right? Part of Halo is having the story and the multiplayer both be really, really good. I know 4 didn't really follow that through, and now 5 did the opposite. 4 was bad multiplayer, but good story. 5 was bad story, but good multiplayer. So I don't know what 343 is up to right now, especially since they're made up of a lot of the people who worked on the original 3 games. So I don't really know. I guess they're trying to keep it fresh. I actually thought that originally they introduced Locke because they were going to try and kill off Chief and then have Locke carry on the series from then on out to kind of refresh it. But... I don't agree with that, but I thought that that's maybe what they were doing, but maybe that's not going to be the case in 6. 
But now they're in this weird state where they introduced having multiple characters and stuff. So I wonder if they're still going to have you switching off as Chief and Locke, but just not nearly as much and still having Chief a lot more, or if they're just going to scrap that idea completely. You know what I mean? Because they kind of created the whole story and added all these new mechanics like reviving and having different players be different squad mates and stuff like that. So I wonder if they're just going to scrap that entirely or just kind of play off of that. You know what I mean? But... I don't know. I, it's good that they learned from it, but the fact that they had to learn from it has me worried in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, put it this way. Freaking duh. I mean, hello, Captain Obvious, you know, to be honest with you from about the interview. I, I think that it's a very harsh lesson. I think the re- to answer one of the points that you brought up, Rich, probably the reason why Microsoft was so okay with the way that Halo 5 turned out is because they trusted 343. This was the first time that they were doing a Halo that was their own original story, their own original Halo that was after the Master Chief Collection. So people already had the Halo games that they know and they remember and stuff. So this was their chance, or at least, you know, their their risk in order to try something different with the franchise. But it's like it's much like in the same way of like having a Mario game where Mario's not really in it. It's not going to be as good. You know, it's the same idea. And granted, that's been... I understand probably in the chat, people are going to realize, yeah, that's already been done in like, you know, Mario's Missing or Luigi's Mansion. Work with me here for a second, okay? The point is, right, Master Chief is synonymous with the Halo brand, with the Xbox brand. It's one of, the, one of their big mascots that they should put out there a little bit more. Even though they put it out there enough, they should put it out there even more because that's like on the same way that PlayStation has Nathan Drake, uh, Microsoft has uh, Master Chief. And I think like, you know, there's parallels there. But with this one, I feel like, you know, I'm with Max. Like, it's a hard lesson learned, but it's also worrisome that they have to learn that lesson in the first place. I feel like those were risks that were worth taking. If they could have had a much more interesting uh, narrative and better plot if it was handled a little bit better. Because the, the story wasn't the biggest problem with Halo 5. It was one of the big problems, but I know that there was other problems with Halo, Halo 5, you know, littered throughout you know stuff from like you know repetitive boss fights repetitive gameplay there are things like that that i feel like are like really important that are ju- that go beyond just the story in order to make halo a complete package to make a halo game what a lot of people consider a halo game people want those same type of moments what they got from halo 2 and even halo 3 you know the cliffhanger endings that crazy you know runaway sequence from halo 3 there's different stuff that people find or at least you know missed about those older games that they want to see done in a similar vein in the newer games so hopefully halo 6 is that type of title that we get if not on xbox one maybe on project scorpio that'd be kind of cool you know there's there's a lot of different things that could pop up about it but first and foremost 343 needs to make a solid halo game before anything else i agree uh let me just say one thing and spoiler alert for those that that have not played halo 5 yet because i am going to say one thing if there's one thing that i do want to give 343 credit for they've really set up halo 6 to be a very very good story because cortana is now on the other side uh, and, you know, you had the personal story with her and Master Chief already. So now to see them on opposite sides, that could be very interesting for Halo 6. Um, but, yeah, I think what you said, Max, already about the fact that they had to, you know, make these these type of questions about whether or not to have him in this game. I think, uh, yeah, I have to agree that that is worrisome. Um, but I also, to, to know that we also got this news and that we're coming up towards E3, I feel as though I think we're definitely going to get some type of teaser for Halo. Obviously, it will not be out this year, may not even be out next year, but we are definitely going to get a teaser because 
I feel as though, uh, you know, this is a very important E3 for Microsoft because of the Scorpio announcement of the price, so on and so forth. Um, so I, I, I think you're going to definitely see Halo. Yes, I think we're all tied to Halo at this point, but I, I think it's pretty obvious we're going to see some type of teaser before everything is said and done with that show. Um, but That'd be a good way to pitch the Scorpio. I'm just saying. Remember, I said that. I've said that a couple times now. They really want to get people excited about the Scorpio, especially if they're going to reveal it at this year's E3, as far as like the actual box or anything like that. Say that a new Halo is coming. Just, yes. just do it. People, people will be very happy. I, I'm telling you, it's a layup. It's a layup. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. You know, we are going to have a show where we get into predictions with the shows, but I, I, I will say this also because... Max and I also had this discussion. I, you know, Crackdown, you know, we all know that it still exists. If that game is not coming out with Scorpio, I think that's a problem. Because that is the is the one title, because of the whole destruction factor, all this other stuff, that is the one title where you can really say, and this is how why it is better to get it on Scorpio, because look at how much you can do with all this power. So if Microsoft said, you know, they announced at E3, yes, uh, Crackdown 2018, but yet the Scorpio is still coming out this fall, I'm going to have a problem with that. But I just wanted to say that. I'm not going to dive into it because we're going to have a show to talk about a lot of this other stuff, you know, later on next month. But Gary, a quick question for you. Uh, you have any thoughts on this on uh, this uh, news regarding uh, Halo? Um, I'm not really knowledgeable enough in my Halo to, you know, to really comment on this, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the, the Halo gameplay and stuff, but, um, you know, I've never been too knowledgeable in stories. Um, I have beat a few Halo games and enjoyed them, but, you know, for the most part, you know, I'm not invested in the lore and the story much. So, yeah, not my place to comment, really. It's official. Gary lay low on Halo. <laughs> yeah. yeah fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, hey, listen, we'll see what happens with Halo Six. Um, yeah, E3 is going to be very interesting. Uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? I'm good. All right. So we actually have two quick topics to run into now before we, you know the two last big topics. So, first and foremost, this particular topic, we found out this week that the PlayStation 4 has reached a new milestone. 60 million units have now been sold. As of this past week, I'd say maybe a couple of days. Uh, Sony originally had this goal for later this year, by the end of this year, and now they have changed that, obviously, based on this news. So... Do you guys have any thoughts that you would like to share on this news? Are, are we really surprised? Because I, I'm not surprised. But I just wanted to check with you guys to see if you have any thoughts on this particular topic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's good. Congrats to Sony for that. I mean, they're definitely going to pass. They're going to surpass the PS3 now, I believe, because that was 80 million. So I think they'll definitely surpass that. Um, you know, I mean, depending depending on how things go, maybe even by the end of this year they might surpass that. But um, I definitely think you know within the next you know year or so they'll they'll probably surpass the the PS3 sales. And I mean, hey, it's, you know they they've got a great selection of games right now. Um, a lot of people are playing on the PS4, so you know you can play with your friends if you have that console. 
so i mean the, you know you can see why it's selling so much still um and yeah i'm sure it will continue oh and also i wanted to say as well that i mean um like i had this discussion with someone recently although both sony and microsoft are making more high-powered versions of you know the, the xbox one and the ps4 you know with the ps4 pro and scorpio and everything i i still feel like those uh base the you know those base level consoles are still going to be very important and i feel like a lot of developers and publishers are still going to cater to those specific consoles so a lot of the games are going to be optimized for you know the minimum level console because it has to run on that like that's the baseline you know it has to run perfectly on that system because that though like the xbox i mean that yeah the xbox one and the ps4 are the consoles that you know most people have like they have most of the market share and ps4 pro and scorpio haven't got those numbers behind them yet so you know, you're not going to see a huge leap in a lot of third-party games, you know, by when you jump into PS4 Pro and Scorpio. A lot of the, you know, the most impressive stuff is going to be first-party for those systems. So, the you know, the PS4 and Xbox One is still very important, even with the high-powered consoles coming out, I think. And it's going to be that way for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that pretty much. It's it's really, really cool, but there isn't a whole lot um, that's surprising about this. You know, like the console has been doing well this, this entire time. Um, and they just came out with a shit ton of games in the past three or four months, which obviously just boosted those numbers more. And like Gary, you were saying, I totally agree that they're going to pass up the 80 million. I think they're trying... I'm trying to remember exactly. I think it's 78 million is their projected hit by April 2018. I believe it's 78 million, and then that's by then. And then obviously they'll hit 80 million by the end of the year if that ends up happening by the end of the year next year. So it's really, really cool. And I don't really think that the Scorpio is going to slow that down much, if at all. I feel like the people who want a PlayStation are still going to get the PlayStation, and then the Scorpio on top of that, or maybe just an Xbox One on top of that, or not at all. Agreed. Uh, any thoughts, Mr. Lugo? No, man. I really don't have much to say. I think, you know, it's pretty straightforward. A lot of people bought a lot of games uh, up to this point on, on PlayStation 4. There's a lot of good hits to buy. There's a, lot, there's a good library in there, so it's well-deserved, well-justified. Yeah, and I'm just going to add that, yeah, it, it is well-deserved, well-justified, as you said. Um this has been a, this in particular this year in particular has been a very a very huge year for Sony because again there's so many games released at the beginning of this of this year I haven't even gotten a chance to play through most of those games but what I've played so far it's, it's fantastic so um, definitely congrats to Sony and I'm very much looking forward to what is coming out later this year because again we we only, only thing we know is coming out so far from them in terms of their exclusives are is the Uncharted game. We don't really know anything else about when these other games are coming out. So E3 is going to be very interesting because I'm pretty sure one of those games, if not two of them, will be out this year. Um, but yeah, just great. Great news to hear for Sony. Uh, congrats, and we look forward to seeing what's what's next. So let's uh, 
move on to the final topic for today. And this particular discussion has to be framed a different way because we don't want to confuse or misconstrue the messaging. So, uh, Gary or Max, would you like to elaborate on where the confusion came from with this Phil Spencer comment regarding Zelda in Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah, um, so basically, like, you know, Phil Spencer, he he had an interview with The Guardian, I believe, and um, he talked about a lot of different things, but, you know, a lot of sites and, you know, a lot of people out there were um, singling out, you know, one specific portion of what he said, and basically he said, um, you know, games like Zelda and Horizon that are, you know, heavily story-focused don't have as much impact anymore but like you know because he mentioned those two titles people were basically making it seem like he was saying that Zelda and Horizon specifically don't have a big impact but what he was really trying to say is like games like that you know he just used those as kind of like an example you know to you know as what he the type of game he's talking about which is like story focused games and you know the context of that is that he's saying um for you know that the xbox uh what's their netflix like service called the um the game pass. game pass game pass game pass yeah yeah he he was basically saying that they want to focus more on producing games that they serve over a long period of time so it's not you know just a story a game with like a, a story that you beat and then that's it like he wants to create experiences that are long lasting you know along the lines of overwatch or destiny and that sort of thing so yeah i mean you know a lot of people took that specific part wrong but saying that you know it still raises an interesting you know discussion and you know i know tony um touched on it a bit in his video as well like it's still an interesting discussion to have on whether you know those types of games do have a, a long-lasting impact you know games like zelda and horizon that are heavy heavily story focused and single player so yeah i guess that's a discussion we can all have yeah and i agree that it's kind of been a misconstrued thing that he said but i don't know i think it could have been worded better but i agree that there are definitely single-player games that have been just as long-lasting as multiplayer games and a lot longer. You know, like, people still talk about, like, Final Fantasy VII and Chrono Trigger and stuff like that. Like, to say those don't have an impact is very wrong. And I don't know, like, even Halo 3 was a huge multiplayer game, but I don't really hear many people talking about Halo 3 as much anymore aside from, like, Halo fanboys, you know? like myself and like even then there's not a whole lot of talk about it anymore but like people are just going to keep talking about their favorite single player games and they're going to go back and replay them you know what i mean like a multiplayer game once the servers are down or once people stop playing it there isn't much you could do yeah uh all i would add is uh you know i I definitely think that uh single single player games do have an impact They, they are important they're still making money uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of this show, when I started talking about Prey, uh, I like Prey because there are certain aspects about it being single player, which I also liked about uh, Wolfenstein. Uh, obviously, Wolfenstein, The New Order, I mean, that's a fantastic game. That That is possibly, I think, 
one first person one first person shooter story campaign that I've enjoyed most so far this this generation. Um, and you know, we obviously wanted to get another one revealed. I mean, that's what the rumor is. We're going to get another one revealed, uh, you know, at Bethesda's conference in a, in, a, in a few months. So I I think um, I mean these games still have an audience. I think it's wrong to really think that they don't have an audience or that they're not selling. Uh, now, obviously, just to to go back to what what's going on with Microsoft right now. Obviously, you know, Gears of War. That is a franchise that um, I mean, I thought Gears of War Four was good. I don't know how well it sold in terms of those numbers. Um, Halo Five. We already talked about the, the storyline. I did not like the campaign, but the multiplayer was fantastic. Again, I don't know how much either of these games sold in terms of official numbers because Microsoft never reveals numbers these days. Um, so obviously, maybe it wasn't quite as successful for them. Which is why they say, well, these other games are not impactful. But yet, I would not have, you know, personally, I would not have even mentioned these other titles. Because you know that when, when you start to mention these other titles, people are going to reach, they're going to reach to find a way to say that you're talking bad about the other company. In the case of Horizon, I do know that that game has been in development for six years. I do know that there, are, there has been some talk of them making a, a story expansion content. And we are going to find out about whether or not that's true at E3. So obviously, and obviously there is going to more likely become a, be a sequel because they have more that they want to do with the story, with the characters. So obviously it's done well for Sony. That's an impact. And going to Zelda, you know, this is a game that uh, Nintendo launched on Switch. A, a game that was, you know, sold, sold more copies of Nintendo than the actual Switch, since the Switch is now shortage on production. But this is a game that obviously has gotten high praise across the industry. So I think, it, you know, yes, these games obviously had a major impact. Um, but obviously, just his opinion, I guess, of, and again, it was misconstrued in the wording to say that some of this stuff doesn't have an impact. But I, I think obviously anyone who's looking at, at this from the outside is going to say, no, obviously. They disagree with that because both of these games did did very well, and they're going to be talked about in game of the year discussions before this by by the end of this year. So, just my opinion. Yeah, and I do agree with uh, both of you that um, it was it it really was a poor choice of words, but I do understand what he was really trying to say. And yeah, he probably should have tried to say it without mentioning those specific games because that is the competition. So. You know, those were basically like trigger words. Like as soon as he said them, people were gonna single out that. You know, um, but you know, as for his argument, I mean, um, I mean, like when it comes to games where you know, like service-based games like Overwatch, Destiny, you know, that sort of thing. Like the thing is, like they're, they're not all gonna work. Like because games like that are really reliant on the community, like the the, the people that you know embrace the game and stuff. Like they're largely dependent on that, and you never know how that's going to turn out. I mean, look at Battleborn. Like, I'm sure they put a lot of money, a lot of time into into that game, and like, it just it just didn't work in that case. So, there's it's always a bit iffy when you're you know trying to approach games of that nature because you never know if you've got a hit until like you know you see how the community has responded to it. But you know when you're when you're tailoring like a, a really good single player experience like Horizon 
and you know zelda that can really stamp the moment in time like you know it it could be a masterpiece that's remembered for a long time so yeah any more thoughts on that i think we might have lost him for a second there (laughs) oh did, did rich go out sorry about that i had some issues on my end uh well, no, no. You asked the question of if there's, if there's any other thoughts. Yeah, do you guys have any other thoughts? Yeah, JJ's been quiet. I'll go ahead. Well, all, all I'll really say uh, on this thing is that, number one, I think that everybody blew his, his comments way out of proportion. That was basically just a headline title, you know, for, for the most part. And everybody just took it and ran with it because everybody's infatuated now with the legend of zelda and horizon zero dawn that's just the way it is those games are great they're phenomenal they do amazing things everybody's being a little bit biased and being a little bit hyperbolic about those games at the moment but besides that to speak more on what he's actually talking about and some of the other stuff that was in that interview he has a point about games that are being made as like a service or being part of a service or being part of like a package deal where you know, you're going to be ongoingly playing them as opposed to just experiencing one story like that. Those right now are what make are what making a lot of money. And granted, having games that have a really solid narrative and world building or at least, you know, a universe that people could get immersed in. Those are great, too. And they could last. They could withstand the test of time. The problem is, though, is those take a long time to make. Those take a lot of effort. They take a lot of resources and they take a lot of other aspects than just simply just building a story. Uh, all, what is it, you know, surrounded by gameplay mechanics to actually be successful. And I feel like those types of games are right now making a lot of money, like Overwatch, uh, Hearthstone, Dota 2. Um, the list goes on. Again, I'm, ju- I'm just throwing stuff that are out there. Though I'm trying to think of the more successful ones, but there's a bunch out there. Overwatch being the prime example right now of a game that's like that has like a really solid online community that's built less on the on the aspect of story because there is a story to Overwatch there, but it's not like the central focal point of it, and more along the lines of like the gameplay mechanics and the online community and the and the what is it the relationship building you have with other players. Those are the games right now that are making the big splash. Uh, besides the ones that are selling, you know, at retail that have just stories. I mean, if you think about it, he has a point where those types of games like Overwatch and and the like are are really the ones that are also getting a lot of attention and a lot a lot of different places outside of just the games themselves and outside of just the ecosystem of the consoles themselves. I mean, Overwatch has a huge thing now where there's leagues, you know, and esports and like different stations that want to cover you know, different competitions for those games. And then you got Street Fighter, which is another one. Again, it's you could even though it's a different genre, it's a fighting game. It's not really based on story. But like, you know, esports is becoming a growing thing right now. And a lot of the games that really kind of get pushed in that realm that are going to be making the money, that are going to be making the big splash and a lot of the popularity are the ones that don't necessarily focus too much on building a narrative. And granted, both of those styles of games, the narrative and the story uh, focused ones and the non-narrative and the non-story focused ones can coexist. Like, let's not get it twisted. It's not one that's better than the other. But right now, the ones that are really making the money, the ones that are really uh, getting a lot of time and energy put into them are the ones that aren't necessarily focused on world building and stories. Not necessarily the Zeldas, not necessarily the Horizon Zero Dawns, at least in bulk, because those games still exist and they still make, you know, gangbusters. But there's not a uh, an overabundance of them right now, and there's not a lot of energy putting put into them right now. Yeah, 
I agree with, with pretty much everything you said. And just so I could clarify one thing, because I did see some people asking for me to clarify in the comments section. Um, I'll just say this. Yeah, I know that a lot of people misquoted Phil and what he said. Um, what my point is, or what I'm getting to is that it's fine to make the statements, you know, about how you feel about how certain things are doing well in, in, in terms of the industry. We already know stuff like you mentioned, Overwatch is doing very, very well financially when you compare it to any of these other little single player games, so on and so forth. But my point of the matter is this, you know, I think that at this point in time, Phil needs to be 100% focused on Xbox. And this is why I say sometimes when people ask interviews questions you know you, you probably want to dodge a couple of things but but right now phil all the focus should be on what games are coming to scorpio what what, what are we going to know about the scorpio right now we're waiting for all of that stuff to happen at e3 you're right so, he shouldn't be at, he shouldn't even be talking about the competition to be honest with you he shouldn't have even made a comment on that or at least yeah. use that as an example if you really think about it it's not just the semantics and a and a uh was it a a, a perception thing but I feel like there's a lot of other unanswered questions that people want to know about right now. And we're about a month and a change away from E3. And I feel like this is the time where things start to slip up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially, and you know, I, I, I say this not just as someone who does this stuff as, you know, I, I have a passion for gaming. But I also say this as an Xbox fan, and I'm sure that Max would agree. We need to be hearing about what is coming to Scorpio, why we need a Scorpio. Obviously, they're going to tell us all of that stuff at E3, but we're still waiting for that for that moment. So I don't want to really hear him saying anything about, you know, you know, congratulate Nintendo and Sony. They, they put out great games, but I, I don't want to hear him making any comparisons about those games because that really shouldn't be a focus now. The focus should be on getting the narrative ready to talk about what we're going to hear at E3. Um, he should be like Shuhei Yoshida. Just be mad quiet. Just, you know, just yeah. don't even talk a lot right now. I mean, it's cool that he's doing the interviews, and I think that's important. That's a very, very key thing right now as we're going into E3 and stuff. But I, but like I said, and like like you agreed, uh, he shouldn't be talking about the competition. He shouldn't, be, he shouldn't really be mentioning uh, a lot of the other stuff at all. Because comments like that, as we already have seen, get taken out of context and get blown up. Mm-hmm. onto something that he because all the stuff that like the headlines that you see in a lot of the editorials that have been posted around have nothing to do with what he's really talking about at all yeah and and, and, and you know it, it, the thing about it is that it, it is blown up as you say but it's blown up on two sides first of all foremost the ones that would like to defend those games and things that he's talking bad about them then also for the fans that are the diehard Xbox fans that don't like these other games in the minute that they, one thing is said about uh, the competition or the, uh, then they're like, they jump on Phil's side and be like, yeah, he's a hundred percent correct. But honestly, I just think right now his focus should be on Xbox. He is in charge of Xbox, right? This is the head of Xbox. Let's talk about what's coming to Scorpio. Why we need to be excited for Scorpio and the games. That's what this should conversation should be about. So um, I understand the topic is a little crazy to even have a full-fledged discussion about, but definitely wanted to make that known because I think this is what Phil needs to focus on. And the thing about Phil is that he's been on Twitter a lot this year and having conversations with people. You, again, a lot of times he said stuff on Twitter that is taken out of context when he said the scale down got canceled and this is good for gamers. Yes, that is taken out of context. 
with no further explanation. Uh, this is why he shouldn't be doing some of this stuff. Don't worry about jumping into trying to let, you know, say how you feel about everything, honestly. Just focus on what you need to focus on for E3 for now. That's all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, that's just my opinion. Gary, you, you about to say something? Oh yeah, I did want to address because, you know, the, the basis of the comment, you know, as well, because they were talking about, you know, the the Xbox Game Pass service and how, you know, he wants it to be like a Netflix for games and that's why he wants these kind of um, service-based games that, you know, last a, a long period of time. But uh, the point I wanted to make with that, you know, is why can't they do both? Like, they can have great single-player experiences and they can do these service-based games as well, you know, alongside the, the single, you know, the player games. It's like, it seems like Microsoft are just in this mindset where they want to put all their eggs in one basket, like, you know, with whatever they're doing. Um, I, but I feel like they need to be, you know, getting a lot of studios together and just creating a bunch of IPs, you know, whether it's single player or, you know, multiplayer or, you know, MMO, whatever it is, like they, they need to give you an abundance of, of IPs right now to support the hardware that they're coming out with. I agree. I agree. Uh, again, you know, just wanted to emphasize these are just our opinions. But again, I, I'm speaking to speak my opinion from a fan who, again, I've I've supported Xbox since the beginning. There's no way that I'm going to go through this year so far and just say, oh, Xbox is doing fantastic. There's a ton of games that I could play on Xbox One. I'll be kidding myself if I said that because I hear about games getting canceled left or right. And I'm just supposed to say, oh, well, let me just pretend everything is okay. Everything is fine. Scorpio is coming. I, there's no way you can't be concerned about what's going on with Microsoft. But again, at E3, when they actually talk about what they're going to talk about, then, I, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll see where I'm at at that point and whether or not I, I like everything that's going on. But there's no way I'm going to sit here and just pretend like, uh, oh, yeah, Xbox is, is, is great. You know, I played Halo Wars. Awesome game. Um, no, man, there needs to be more coming from Microsoft. So I'm expecting a lot of big things to happen from Microsoft at E3. That is possibly the show I'm looking forward to more than the others because there's a lot of mystery around Scorpio and what the lineup is going to be. So I'm hoping that they do well. But whenever a company does something that you question, there's no way you can't be critical about that. I, I've said stuff about Sony in the past, Nintendo. I will continue to say anything about any of these companies if I didn't think it's, it's an issue. But it's just in my opinion. But again, remember, it is my opinion. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. If they agree or disagree, it's, it's totally fine. But that's just my opinion. And yes, we know a lot of stuff was taken out of context. That's what happens. But Phil has Phil knows from, from this year when he made had all these other comments that he's made online, people take out of context. He knows, he knows by now how this game is, is, is being played. You have to be careful what you say because you have a target on your back. The people that want to see you fail and then the others that, you know, and, I mean, he just, he has to be more aware of this stuff. Or just don't say anything at all. That's just all, that's all I'm saying. But um, any final thoughts on this topic before we wrap up the show? No, I'm good. I'm good as well. Awesome. So we thank you all for checking out this week's show. 
please feel free to leave your comments on any of the topics that we discuss and let us know what you think. Because, yeah, we definitely want to hear some of you guys' opinions. So uh, final shout-outs. Uh, how about you go first, Max? Any final shout-outs for you? Um, as always, thanks, everyone, for participating in the chat. It's always a good time in there. We have a solid, like, 15 to 20 people in there, like, every single week now, which is really cool. And I will see you guys next week. Awesome. Yes. Thank you all for checking out the show. Uh, uh, Mr. Lugo, any final shout outs you'd like to give? Uh, yeah, just thank you everybody in the chat for hanging out with us. It's great to see so many people in there. It's great to see the chat so lively. That's what we like to see. That's what we like to hear. Keep posting up all the different stuff. And again, remember to post up some stuff in the comment section, not only just of the video on YouTube, but also on the website as well. When you guys see this episode of the co-op, if you're watching it either live now or later, uh, when it's up on there, let me know what you guys want me to actually find out when I go to the Destiny 2 gameplay premiere event next month or upcoming now. We're going to be in May, like tomorrow, the day after, very soon. So definitely let me know what you guys want to uh, find out, want me to find out about while I'm out there. Uh, again, shout out to the Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your guys' patronage. Thank you so much for your support. You guys keep allowing us to do what we love to do, keep bringing you guys some great content. Uh, thank you to everybody leaving comments and all the reviews, all the other postings, as well as everybody that's hits us up on social media we really appreciate all the support from all sides we're really busting our ass in order to try to make sure we get a lot of good content out of for you we're getting ready to go to e3 time in about another month in about three to four weeks i think it is or no about like five six seven weeks right like around around that race because we got we got may still and then we got a little bit of june so we're like right there on the precipice we got a little bit of time but we're getting closer so anyway thank you so much we appreciate all of you guys absolutely and how about you, Gary? Oh, actually, let me go first. Uh, I definitely would like to give a shout out to all the Patreon supporters that continue to support us. We thank you very much. Definitely give a shout out to all the people that were watching today. Uh, always great to have you guys watching and commenting. I tried to keep up with the comments is a little bit of a challenge as I'm looking at multiple things, but we appreciate the continued support. You know, we do have quite a bit of things coming for you guys this week. So stay tuned for that. And uh, Gary, the floor is yours. Yep. So let's get to the Patreon shout-outs. Um, shout-outs to M. Collins, Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lelowin Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, and Nick Biazzo. Shout-outs to all you guys. We appreciate your continued support. And uh, we're, we're definitely going to work on getting some more, you know, Patreon exclusive stuff out to you guys, for you guys to enjoy, you know, just as a thank you and everything. And we'll have more contests, you know, in the coming in the future as well. And also shouts to everyone who was in the chat today as well. Um, I like to see the growing numbers every week. And if you guys want to help us even more, like you can, um, you can go to our, our Stitcher radio link and our itunes link and just you know leave a review for us you know rate the, the show and everything and that will help expose us to more people so we can continue to grow the community because you know we love connecting with all you people and we love having these discussions every week so uh, we appreciate all of you for being here today and we appreciate your continued support and i hope you all have a good week yes Thank you all again, and we will talk to you all next week. Have a great week, great week ahead. 
Peace.